Yes, God, you are great, you are awesome, you are mighty. And I thank God for that because it doesn't matter how we are. No matter how great some may think they are, we pale in comparison to you. And Lord, we know the, the weaknesses that we have. We may have the best intentions, but our abilities and just aren't always, aren't always up for it. And our bodies are weak and frail, especially as we get, as we get older. And, and some days we feel better than others. But through it all, there is a great and awesome and mighty God who will walk with us and lead us through whatever we have to go through. There is a great and awesome God who gave everything for us on the cross so that we could die to sin and live a reconciled life to you, our God. And we are eternally grateful. And I just pray, Lord, that you will help each and every one of us, wherever we are in our walk with you, to be able to just grow closer to you, to live more like Jesus Christ, to come to know Jesus Christ, if we don't know Jesus Christ, to share and to show the kingdom of God through our words, through our deeds, through our very character, our nature. And may we just be effusive with our praise for you, God our Father, Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord and Savior, and for the Holy Spirit who equips us and empowers us to live a a redeemed life for Jesus Christ and, and to be Christ's hands and feet in this world. And I just pray, Lord, that through this sermon, somehow, some way, Lord, you would touch people's hearts. And I pray you would start with the speaker. And Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. And happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers. I uh, don't have any great words of uh, wisdom. I'm, men, I'm not going to call you up in the first couple rows uh, and, uh, and speak to you. And uh, be thankful, yes, Richard claps, because as I look at today's readings, if I was going to do that, I might, uh, might have uh, preached on something in Job. Gird up your loins like a man. But no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave Father's Day to the ladies and, and men and everybody. The ladies have prepared a nice meal in your honor that we will enjoy after our main meal. And that is the body and blood of Jesus Christ and that bread and wine that God has given us and miraculously you know, infuses us with Christ as we partake and as we remember what Jesus did for us at the cross. So, no girding up your loins like a man today. Father Jose will be back in July. I'll leave that up to him. <laughs> I think some of you men know he can do a pretty good job of that. Those of you who've gone to the men's retreat so, uh, and heard him. I am going to look at the Gospel of Mark. And, but before I do, I just want to speak of where we've been. 
And actually, we've kind of skipped over some things. And uh, I was away for the last couple weeks back in Wisconsin celebrating my nephew's high school graduation and and helping my father out. So one of the weeks I didn't go to an Anglican or Episcopal church. So it's like, where are we? And uh, I was amazed we skipped over the, uh, although, well, actually, we got one of the parables, but the parable of the sower. But I do want to just highlight because I think it's, it helps shed a little light on the disciples and, and where they're at. This is what they've gone through in the Gospel of Mark. And just want to point out you know, some of the amazing things that, that Jesus did in healing the sick and casting out demons. And right in, in chapter 1, after he's called his first four disciples, um, he's in the synagogue where he's uh, teaching and preaching, and he rebukes the unclean spirit out of the man in the synagogue. And he healed Simon's mother-in-law of her fever. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. At the end of chapter 1, he made the leper leper clean. And then in chapter 2, there was a paralyzed man who came to him, and actually his friends were so eager and desirous of his healing that they cut a hole in the roof so they could get this man inside to see Jesus. And Jesus forgave this man of his sins first, and then he made this lame man walk. And he hung out with sinners and tax collectors, and he even called one of them Levi or Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his 12 disciples. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, on the Sabbath day, no less, in the synagogue, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. And then in chapter 3, verse 11, we read, Whenever the unclean spirits saw Jesus, they fell down before him and shouted, You are the Son of God. And then that brings us to chapter 4, where Jesus spends the day teaching a very large crowd of people including his disciples, about the kingdom of God. And so the day is over, and we read at the beginning of our gospel today that Jesus asked his disciples to take him across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And presumably, I think he wanted to get away from the crowds. And so he gets into the disciples' boat, and there are 12 of them plus Jesus, And then we read that there's some other boats around, and those would be other disciples who've been traveling with Jesus. And the passage doesn't, doesn't tell us, but you know, presumably the storm isn't raging when they, when they go out. Now, in this sea, heavy winds and choppy waves were not uncommon, because this sea is... I think about, it's a good distance below, you know, the hills. There are hills surrounding it. And it just, the conditions are ripe for, you know, heavy winds. It's not as calm as Southern California, which is one of the, I've lived in in Wisconsin and I've lived in New York and I've never lived in a place that generally has such little wind comparatively. And then, of course, you know, the rain, and I saw more rain in the past 10 days in Wisconsin and storms than I had seen in the last year or two here. So a little bit different climate than what we have, not that we don't have, you know, severe weather. But, you know, it's at night, they're traveling, and there's at least four fishermen in this boat, you know, some of the big disciples, Peter and James and John, and then Peter's brother, Andrew. When they were called, they were they were fishermen. So they're, 
they're taking, they're in this boat, and then Jesus is just kind of, you know, like they say, he's kind of just sleeping in the in the stern, so just kind of there, and you know, presumably, you know, it's not that choppy. I mean, he's falling asleep, but you know, he is the Son of God, so I guess he can sleep, you know, as much or as little as he wants, no matter no matter what's going on. What's so funny, Adore? Oh yes, that's right. You got even you got even less sleep than I got last night. So, um, so Jesus is asleep, and what happens? The story tells us the the waters are starting to rage. The wind is howling. The boat, the boat they have. Oops, I forgot to talk about the boat. You know, it's it's not an ocean liner, that's for sure. So this thing is rocking back and forth. It's taking water. I'm wondering whether Jesus is how wet Jesus is getting or something. You know, and he's still asleep. And then the disciples, you know, are going bananas, and it's like Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're gonna die. So you know, they wake him up, and and uh, and he then immediately, or actually, it doesn't say immediately, but he woke up. And he rebuked the wind, and he calmed the waters. Anybody ever done this? <laughs> Anybody ever seen uh, Father Jose do this, or other other priests? Ever, Kobe Bryant, he doesn't do this. Uh, <laughs> you know, George Clooney. Uh, show I can say something besides sports. Uh, um, I certainly haven't done it, no. Um, no man can do this. It's just an amazing thing. And, and the, our psalm, which we didn't read, Psalm 107, verses 28 to 29, say in the Old Testament, you know, that only Yahweh, or the Lord, could, could do this. And 28 reads, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Kind of sounds like what Jesus did here. And yeah, that's the point. That's one of the major, that's the biggest point of this passage. And not that I'm not going to deal with some other points about it. God did this. Mark is making the case, he begins the gospel by saying, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He starts off, this is God. And Mark, one of the th- his, his most important themes, and probably his most important theme, is that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And that's what we're seeing. Those what, we, what I spoke to you before, I mean, those are some amazing things Jesus did. You know, casting out demons, healing people who were sick, people who couldn't walk. I'm sure people in other Gospels who couldn't speak, who couldn't hear. But controlling nature probably takes that up to another level. And what I like is, this one says a dead calm, but those... Waves. I mean, the wind stops, but the water ought to still be kind of shaking around a little bit. I mean, I don't think it like immediately comes to a stop. But everything was calm. And all Jesus said were three words. Peace. Be still. Quiet. And they obeyed him. Just like that. And then there's the disciples. 
who are like you and me, how many of us, we may see God do amazing things, but then a day later, a week later, we get in a situation or, or something, or we could even be up at the top of the mountain, and all of a sudden we forget the power of God. And so Jesus, in verse 40, says to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Ouch. Well, they're kind of early in their, in their journey, so their faith has a ways to go. You know, Jesus is in the boat, and, and not that, you know, we, we weren't there, but... You know, Jesus is there too. If, and they don't really, I don't, they don't know, I don't think at this time they really know that this is the Son of God. They sure don't act, they don't, sure don't act like it. But, you know, if Jesus is in there, they think they're going to die. What do you think is going to happen to Jesus? You know, if, if you're them. So, w- their faith has got a long way to go. And then, they realize, you know, I mean, they've, they've seen this, like this is amazing. And they were filled with great awe. They were actually filled with a fear that was even greater than the fear they had when they thought they were going to die. But this awe is also a reverent awe because they've seen something that only God can do. And this man did it. This could be their first great the first great manifestation, they've seen that there's something more to this Jesus. He's more than just a, an amazing teacher, and he's a healer, and all of that. He's doing things that only God can do. Because they say, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And it just took three, three words to hear, to to stop waves that were 8 to 10 feet high. I, the, the word is squall. I don't know whether it's like a hurricane. But, I mean, we're talking some pretty significant winds. We might be 70, 80, 90, 100 miles. I, I don't know. But this is, you know, really stiff. And they did not have a big boat. It's a wooden boat, 27 feet uh, long, about 8 feet wide, 4 or 5 feet deep. And it's being tossed wildly back and forth, and they've just witnessed their lives have been saved, and the wind and the waves have stopped. And they didn't do anything to make this happen. And their fear overcame them, because he stopped it like this. It was that quick. Their lives were not in any real They weren't going to die. But that's hard for us to to remember what we're in, that God is going to take us to a better place. And first and foremost, that better place is life with Jesus Christ. So no matter how bad things get, and for some people, things are really bad. For some people... Life in this earth is is not is a, is a lot of challenges, a lot of struggles. But we're here for 
20, 40, 60, 80, maybe 100 years. But there's a much longer eternity that we will be with God. And that sin and, and, and Satan do not have control over us. So no matter how bad things are, no matter how things have, have, may have been, no matter what they look, look like, we may be on the downside of our lives as we get, as we get older, our bodies ache and, and hurt. First and foremost, we can live with Christ forever. We just have to believe and we just have to follow him. But Christ wants to do so much more. He cares about us. He cares about our life in the here and now. And life with him, lived with him, we have the power of Christ available to us to go through whatever we're going through, to help us in both the ups and the downs, because there's also danger when you're on the top of the world. Let's just look at our politicians, some of the wealthiest people in the world, some of the greatest, uh, the most successful people you know, in the world's eyes. We've seen people fall from grace. We know about when, when things are down, but we need Jesus Christ and we need the power of Christ to live the best life possible, and that is the best life possible. And Christ wants to walk with us and as we go through the difficult things in life. And he gives us that, that hope. And I'll name a few, but I don't have to go through just stuff out in the world. I just mentioned the word ISIS, Islamic militant terrorists, Boko Haram in Nigeria, taking girls, teenage or younger girls, and, and, and kidnapping them and killing children, killing people. But in the midst, Iran, nuclear weapons. But in the midst of this, there's great hope. And we, going with Nigeria, there's evil there, but there's also so much of the kingdom of God there. In the Anglican, the Anglican church, there are more Anglicans in Nigeria than in any country in the world. And there are many good and faithful Christians, and thank, Lord, thank God that God has brought some of them here, you know, to us, and has made our community a better, a better place. We saw this this past week down in South, Carol, South Carolina, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. What a tragedy. Somebody, I've got to have some real mental health issues, there may be other things, hate, racism going on, but killed nine people, including the pastor of the church. But in the midst of this, the sur survivors and fam even family members even said, we're praying for you, who, you who did this, for your soul. In the midst of it, the power of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is evidenced in how these people you know, are responding. We've got, I, I work downtown in place, a lovely place called Skid Row, where we have a lot of homeless people, we have a lot of drugs being sold, 
dealers. We've got people who are addicted to drugs, alcohol, mental health challenges, things that are tearing their lives apart. Storms are a part of their everyday lives. But we see around us, both at the mission I work at and other missions, other service providers, that there are people that are coming out of this. That's part we want to bring Jesus Christ to these people and through the power of Christ to help them be transformed and to overcome their addictions. I have at least one friend who has beat. Actually, I've got, actually come to think of it, I've got several friends who beat addictions to drugs, to alcohol, that are clean and sober for three years, 20 years, and more. And the power of God has transformed their lives. And we need that. I need that. You need that. Because we all have struggles. We have broken relationships that, that happen. We have people that have gone away from God. I have two people that are very, I would call them loved ones. They've recently returned to the church. They're getting involved. And their marriage is a lot better than it was before they made the switch. The power of Jesus Christ in the midst of the storms of life, which we all go through and which is all around us. Because our faith in Jesus Christ and his divine power to save, redeem, and transform is the best prescription to handle the storms of life. And let me use an illustration because actually I thought we were going to also read chapter 5, verses 1 to 20 because St. David's usually always does the full reading. There are some weeks, you know, you have a reading and then you have parentheses. Well, I go, well, St. David's, we're, we're doing that. So I said, well, how do I... It's the, uh, it's, the, it's the man who's so possessed by like 2,000 or more demons. And then, you know, Jesus sends those demons in to 2,000 pigs and they drown. But what we see... I, you know, we, we, the Gospels speak of Jesus healing, but there, this has to be the most incredible casting out of demons that there are in any of the Gospels. Let me just, uh, I don't think it could get worse by this man who's possessed by unclean spirits. Not just a spirit. And actually he's possessed by at least 2,000 demons because each one of those they ask Jesus, you know, when they see Jesus, they know their time is up in this guy. So send us into the pigs, this herd of pigs. And so there were 2,000 of them that he put them into. This man, they said, chains and shackles could not hold this man down. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. But what was amazing is when... The disciples get to, to dry ground and they may go a little bit distance in. When this man, possessed man, demon-possessed man, sees Jesus, he runs to him and he bows down and he shouts as loud as he could, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Once again, declaring who 
this Jesus is. And he says, I appeal to you by God, do not torment me. And the demons are out, and then all of a sudden, this man is very normal. Imagine, you see this guy in the town later that day, the next day, next week. You think there weren't some jaws dropped? Hey, here's that crazy strong man. And he's normal. And not only that, he wanted to, he had wanted to be one of Jesus' disciples. He wanted to follow him. But Jesus said no. He said in verse 19 of chapter 5, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And then this man goes, it says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, the ten Gentile cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. The power of God works in our lives today, tomorrow, and forever. And we have that hope And so no matter how bad things are, we don't have to give up hope. And God wants to heal us, and he wants to grow us, to become more and more like Christ. He wants us to live the best lives we can forever. He cares about what we go through now. But he also, like this man, he wants us, he does that also to not just to fix us and to help us, but to help others. And for us to be the expression of the kingdom of God. That's what one of the, parable, the parables last week. Um, that kingdom, you know, grows. And one of the ways it grows is because there's people, Christians like us, who are proclaiming that kingdom in word and in deed and in our character and by who we are. We give people who may have never had an inkling about the kingdom or who, you know, don't, are far from God or, or wherever they are or need to see the kingdom manifest in you and in me. That's our job too. So that that kingdom can grow and so that it can be the biggest shrub like that little mustard seed that there is that will give shelter to the birds and give shelter to people, and so that people can experience the love of God that he has for his people. Because God is a God of love. He does this, he does everything because he loves us. He created, he didn't have to create us. Hey, he had, he had Jesus, he had the Holy Spirit. What more does he need? Does he need us? No. But he loved us, he created us, he wanted to wanted perfect fellowship with us in in the garden. And he wants fellowship and he wants relationship with us now. Isn't that the greatest thing in the world? That a a God who is mighty and controls everything loves you and you and you and me? It's just the greatest thing in the world. And he gives us also that power. And that, when I look at today's gospel is the most important thing I want you to take away. The power of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. And 
that power of God is available to us. It's available to us to give us a growing faith in Christ that will overcome our fears in life and will help us go through even the most difficult and desperate situations knowing that Christ will be with us when we get to the other side, even if that other side isn't all that we want it to be. And also that that power of God is available to us to combat those evil forces that are in our world that are even trying to attack us and take us out and separate us from the love of God. Because Jesus and faith, the most important thing about our faith is who we have the faith in. And that is in Jesus. That is in God. And he will never fail us and he will never forsake us because he is large and in charge and he has power over all of God's creation. And as today's gospel shows, he rules over nature. He rules over the spirit world. He rules over human illness and disease. And he rules over death. And that is the good news of the gospel that we need to take in and also give out to all whom we come in contact with. Amen.